2: He didn't slam you, he didn't bump you, he didn't nudge you, he rubbed you. And rubbing son is racing. Hey race fans,
1: welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network and welcome welcome to the Drafting the Circuits program. My name is Frank Santoroski, I'll be your host for the next hour as we go over everything racing. Joining me in the studio today are Mr. Gray Warren, Mr. Richard Uden, and Mr. Seth Eggert. Fellas, how we doing tonight?
3: Doing good. Doing
0: great. Very
1: good, thank you. All right, so uh, as uh, Independence Day is... uh, Lumen uh, in the near future for us, we had a good weekend of racing this weekend. We had Formula One, was in Austria. Um, the NASCAR boys were uh, at Chicagoland in Juliet. Um, the uh, winners were Max Verstappen, uh, the, a, a non-Mercedes winner for the first time this year. And uh, Alex Bowman took his first career win in the cup car. So let's start with the Formula One race. Now, Richard, last week we were talking about how terribly boring the race was.
0: <laughs> and what we need
1: to do to fix Formula One, and and just yep. and, and and when is this single team domination going to end? And then what a difference a week makes! My gosh, this was an exciting yeah. race to watch. Uh, we I don't had think it was we, a we week.
2: Had a, I don't think that the time had anything to do with it. I think the fact they we went back to a proper racetrack had something else to do with
1: it. Certainly, certainly that it has something to do with it. Yeah, and then you know Mercedes had some overheating issues as well. But I mean, we saw a really good race with a proper pass. For yep. the lead on the track and the closing yep. stages, so let me uh, let you just uh, take us through the highlights and details real quick, and then we'll then we'll get into the uh, the, the delay and the decision on on the final result. Yeah.
2: So Austria is, uh, you know, I think, one of the short, if outside of Monaco, probably the shortest track on the uh, on the calendar, and uh, but it's far faster than Monaco. So it's a seventy lap race, so it's it's quite an action packed, intense race around a small track. There, it's an old fashioned style circuit. Very hilly, lots of gradients there. You know, real runoff, gravel, walls, not this zebra print stuff you had at uh, Paul Ricard. And, um, you know, it just proves what these old-fashioned circuits are like. They they make for great racing, and we certainly saw that this weekend. Um, You know, the Ferraris were fast all weekend. Um, As you'd probably expect, it's a very similar circuit to Canada. Lots of, uh, you know, high-speed straights and then, Relatively aggressive braking zones, and of course, Vettel arguably should have won Canada. So, um, you know, you expected the uh, the Ferraris to be to be on pace there, and they certainly were. And Charles Leclerc just again this season, you know, for another time this season, seemed to have the upper hand on uh, on Seb there this whole weekend, and uh, and, and got the pole there. And overtel had a mechanical issue in uh, Q3, which relegated him. I think it's a ninth on the grid. Uh, Hamilton qualified second, but then had a three-place penalty for impeding Raikkonen in, in Q1, uh, so that put him back to fourth on the grid. After I think Magnussen had a penalty as well, so you had uh, you had the I think it was the youngest front row ever in Formula One with um, uh, uh, Charles Leclerc and, and Max Verstappen taking up the grid, both both 21 years of our age, both born within 10 days of each other or something crazy like that. And uh, Leclerc got a fantastic start, uh, led away from the line. Uh, Verstappen had a shocking start and uh, anti-stall kicked in and he dropped back to, I think, about seventh or eighth by the end of the first lap. But he, he managed his tyres well in the early stages, ran ran longer than everybody else by about 10 laps. And then uh, when everybody made the stops, he had uh, fresher tyres than everybody else and, and, and really pushed and started to to sort of haul in. The leaders uh, managed to get past Bodas there to take second. And then you, with about 15 laps to go, you suddenly like, well, hang on, he could win this now. And, uh, you know, he'd saved his tyres throughout the race. And he just had about about three to four tenths of a second a lap on um, on Leclerc there and just just reeled him in. And uh, made, I think, a good pass, uh, you know, to take the lead. It yeah, was let's, let's talk forceful. about the pass a little bit because it I was... Mean, it it was, was forceful. It was, it yeah, was yeah, I mean, aggressive. But, I mean, you go back, you know, 15 years to the Schumacher area, and that was a, a classic Schumacher pass. You know, There was nothing in there that was uh, particularly excessive. Leclerc had plenty of room. The only comment that I think I made and I, I discussed with you guys, you know, while it, while it was happening live, if you watch Verstappen, he didn't take his normal line through that corner. He, he missed the apex by a good few feet there, to, which enabled him to force Leclerc wide, which... Was a little bit eh, nah, maybe I don't know, but p- personally I didn't have too much of an issue with it. I thought it was, a, you know, a good move and a strong you know, move, I, an aggressive I, move. And obviously Le- Leclerc is going to be frustrated and going to be shouting on the radio. Um, right, but let me ask you, know, you
1: this, Richard. Okay, would
2: Yep. To me, the pass
1: looked like a good old-fashioned racing pass. You know, you you, you stu- stu- stuck his nose in there, ran the guy a little wide, um, yeah, yeah. Um, claimed the corner. This is what we're yep. used to in American racing. That's not a penalty. That's good, hard racing. Yes, uh, exactly. You know, the, they, the cars touched wheels very briefly. Uh, yep. no, the cars were not damaged. Nobody was hurt. Nobody, you know, uh, got hurt. That that would never be a penalty in American racing. Now, in Formula yep. One, we saw what happened in Canada yep. with, with where... Uh, Lewis and um, Sebastian didn't even touch. Yeah. He just uh, forced kind of Lewis to go offline a little bit, and then that yeah. was a penalty for yeah. Vettel. So, well,
4: it, I think so, so, so that, that sets
1: up the case that everybody's saying, well, for consistency's sake, if you uh, if you penalized Vettel, you need to penalize Verstappen.
2: Yeah. I mean,
1: that's, that's yeah, I know what popular you're saying, logic, so. yeah, yeah. I'm not oh, saying exactly it's right. So. But, but, what, but, but you, you but, but tell but me but what the, the difference the, between the, the two moves So, were. Vettel
2: got penalized for re-entering the track in a dangerous way, or whatever the terminology was. For. Vettel didn't get a penalty for driving Hamilton off the track, because he didn't. Hamilton stayed on track. What Vettel got the penalty for was re-entering the track dangerously, which it's a very fine line, but mm, he probably did. Now, you know, the nature of uh, what he was, you know, the nature of racing is you're always going to do that. You know, there was nothing, uh, you know, Vettel didn't have a choice. He had to do what he did. So I don't think there's a criticism there of Vettel. Uh, but uh, what Verstappen did was just he was just hard racing, as you say. There was no, uh, no there's no malice in there. There was no intent to to drive him off the track. There's no intent to endanger a competitor's life. So I really think he, he was well within his right, want of a better word, to to make that move. Um I certainly didn't see an issue with it.
1: He was certainly faster than Charles. You know, he had oh, yes, he, Charles
2: was point, Charles was a
1: sitting of, sitting duck at the end of, of Vettel, course, Vettel yeah. had... Or
2: yeah, not I, Vettel. I you, Ma- Max I had a lot more go, go ahead. I think Ferrari had probably written for Stefan out of the race. After that bad start and dropping back, you know, they're like, oh, well we'll keep an eye on him, but he's out of the race. You know, in reality in terms of being a a threat to to Leclerc and you know he saved his tires and he conserved them and he kept fresh rubber down there and then when you know when it got to the business end of the race he he turned them on fantastically so huge amount of credit needs to go to Verstappen he drove a, a fantastic race there and it was a fantastic move for the look for the win
1: right and and
2: knows, it was great for the uh, fans the too start.
1: oh yeah yeah that's that's his fan base right there there are her are hundreds of thousands of Verstappen fans in, in Austria. So pretty neat. Now, Seth, and Red
2: Bull fans, so yeah, and
1: Red Bull fans. Absolutely. So, uh, so Seth, you have a question, so I'm sorry to mean to cut you off.
3: Go right ahead. Oh, you're fine. Uh, speaking of the bad start, I want to bring this up. Uh, Kevin Magnussen, uh, in the Hall's oh, yeah. car, uh, was penalized 25 seconds for being just over the line for the box. I, you know, on the, yeah, grid. Yeah, yeah,
2: the start the grid, yeah.
3: Uh, While the FIA was deliberating on the contact between uh, Charles and Max, there were also photos circulating around that Max was out of position as well. Yep. But Max was never penalized for that. So wouldn't that also show inconsistency Uh, at the same
2: time? It shows maybe a lack of transparency from the FIA standpoint. So what each car will have is it has an electronic transponder on the car, and then under under each grid slot, there is a, a sensor, for want of a better word, which detects when the car's in place. So the penalty handouts probably go on that sensor readout far more than actual visual aid. So it could be. I mean, we could be talking millimeters here, which is impossible to detect with the naked eye for a, you well, know, a, a TV, well, TV I,
3: I I understand what you're saying. The one thing I will say, because there was a side-by-side photo of, uh, Magnuson's car with Max's car, as yeah. far as uh, how far uh, further in the box they were, for uh, Magnuson, you could still see the painted white line for the box. Yes. For Max, you couldn't see the line at
2: all. No. So,
1: Richard, are those transponders in the same place on every car?
2: They should be. Well, they'll do a relative difference of position. So where wherever the car sits, it'll measure the difference from, you know... So yeah, there could be some vagaries within each within each pit installation. I don't know enough about how all that works, you know, the, the finer details of it. But um, you know, the, 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 we're probably talking millimeters here, and uh, it's a very very unfortunate thing for want of a better word for.
1: It seems uh, like twenty five seconds is a rather harsh penalty for just you know something that, that didn't really gain him anything. Other than millimeters, maybe. I mean, the guy—he's yeah. already penalized by having to drive a HOS car. Exactly. So why make why make the guy's <laughs> he, day
3: worse? He also he also had a uh, five place grid penalty as well, so he was already starting yeah. further back than he qualified. Uh, I think he had qualified fourth and he ended up starting ninth after the penalty. Yeah. So on top of that, the twenty five seconds dropped him. My guess would be at least five to six spots in the finish order granted yeah. he finished 19th so five to six spots he still wouldn't have gotten yeah, any points any difference, yeah but if it had been a less harsh penalty maybe he would have at least been in the mix for 10th or so
2: yeah I mean you've got to have you know you've got the obviously like with anything you've got to have rules and you've got to have limitations and um I think 25 seconds is harsh I think uh a five-second time penalty is appropriate. When you compare that to what happened to Vettel in Canada, you know you could argue that, you know, the the, the phrase is it in the penalty. You know, Vettel was penalised for re-entering the track dangerously. and oh, There's nothing dangerous about starting an inch further and,
3: forward and forcing a competitor offline, not exactly. off track, offline. Yeah.
2: So yeah, exactly. A,
1: yeah. I, I just fail to see the the how. Much gain you you get from being a little bit out of your uh, out of your position at the start, you know. You certainly it's certainly that, you know, like, not 25 seconds worth.
2: I agree, and uh, these are probably things that you know. Hopefully, Liberty Media and Formula One will be able to sit down, and I'm sure Hassel will be protesting it, or at least raising the you know a similar point to what we what we've got going on, saying, "Hey, look, guys, is this really fair?" You know, and and hopefully they'll all sit down and say, "Okay, well, you know, we need to to." Come up with a more suitable penalty, you know, system here because that was a little bit excessive. Um, so we can hope that they do improve that going forward. Yeah.
3: One more question I do have, uh, or comment I want to make anyway. Robert Kubica getting driver today. Um, what? Yeah, I think somebody hacked
2: that, didn't they? <laughs> Uh, so, uh, I mean, I just want to make a couple of quick comments, actually, you know, talking about Kvitsa. A couple of guys that I think are struggling so far this season. Uh, unfortunately, I put Kvitsa in that league. I think George Russell has, I think, beaten him in every race. I know he's out-qualified him in pretty much every race. Every race, yeah. Um, so I think Kvitsa could be in a spot of bother for keeping his drive for next year. But one person I think is in real danger, and it could be even mid-season break, is Pierre Gasly. Um, he's just not at the races. I mean, both in Monaco, oh sorry, not Monaco, jeez. Um, Paul, Ricard. Uh, Paul Ricard at uh, the A1 ring, or Red Bull ring, or whatever we're going to call it these days. Um, he was level with his with Verstappen on lap one, and then by the end of the race had been lapped. You know, that's that ain't good. <laughs> that's uh, yeah, Red Bull, they're pretty cutthroat, and. Yeah, yeah, particularly you, you, when
1: your when you, your teammates out there winning the race and you're going backwards, yeah, it, it you just know,
2: you, it just doesn't look
3: good. You, no, Who would they I, replace him with though? Or would they bring uh, Kvyat back or, up or?
2: I mean, I think I think he, in all right fairness, there. he's he's earned it. He is deserved. Now you can criticize Kvyat as much as you like because he was pretty crash prone in his his previous um, iterations of of, of of driving for Red Bull. But you know, the guys turn around and he's. Gone away, you know, worked on his issues, spent some time working with Ferrari as a, excuse me, as their simulator driver. And he's, you know, he's done his dues and he's come back to much to people's surprise, but he's doing the business. You know, Albon's, um, you know, Alex Albon. Albon's doing a good job as well in that car and you're probably too young for him to step up but I, I really, th- I think you could very, very well see, you know, a scenario similar to what we saw, you know, in the past where, um, you know, they do, they do the little switcheroo as it were and, uh, and, and bring, um, you know, Kvyat back and drop Gasly back into the Toro Rosso. And then yeah, eventually I could, he can certainly see that fades off into endurance racing or something. Because the guy I mean, we're not talking finishing ten seconds behind your teammate here. We're talking a minute and a half, which I don't think there's a bigger differential between teammates as there is those two. It's it's pretty bad in all fairness to the guy. And I hate you know, I don't want to bash these guys because they're still even even if they are a minute and a half slower than Verstappen over the course of a race. Still pretty damn good, but you know you're in you're, you're driving for Red Bull Racing here. You're not, you know, you're not. It's not a charity. They're not going to employ somebody just because they want to. You know, they're going to employ people because they can compete and they can win. And at the moment. The guy just ain't getting it done. It, no, it was also it,
3: it was also Honda's first win in F1 in how long? Like twenty years. Two thousand six. Two thousand six.
1: Two thousand six with a Braun team. With, yeah, uh, I was gonna mention that. Years. I was gonna mention that. This no, answer, that was, this answers the, the question.
2: That was the answer. Honda team. Yes, that, wasn't, that was Honda. A
1: Braun was the two thousand nine, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. So 2006 Hungarian Grand Prix when Button qualified 16th and went on to win the race. And I was working for them at the and I got a nice little bonus for that one.
1: Well, nice, nice. So, um, but it does answer the question: Can Honda win in Formula One again? So here sure they are. Here they are yeah. in, in the winner's circle. Um, Red Bull doesn't look so foolish now for picking them up. There up.
2: Uh, would be some fun conversations at the old McLaren headquarters, would not there?
1: Oh, McLaren can't seem to, to set a foot right. I
2: mean, well, yeah, not you this can think season. of that. The last two races. They haven't been that terrible, no. You know, Lando Norris is, I mean, you know, you're talking about people that are struggling, you know, Gasly and, uh, and, and um, Kubica there. Hey, you've got to take your hand off to Norris. I mean, he, he dragged that car around uh, Paul Ricard at the end of the race there. And he, um, you know, he, he was competitive again at, uh, in Austria and had a good solid points finish. So he's, you know, I mean, if you're looking at the, the, the future post-Hamilton of British Formula 1 racing drivers, you know, to look at Norris and George Russell, you're pretty enthusiastic about it, I think.
1: Oh, for sure, yeah. Both, both those guys have a lot of talent. So then the other thing I wanted to mention was, you know, we were talking about the Honda um, and um, the guys that may be on the way out. But there's a rumor floating that uh, Nico Hulkenberg may be out of uh, Renault in favor yeah. of um, spearheading Porsche's Formula E team. I, I don't – I don't. I think that's maybe uh, not this season, but
2: uh, some well, reports
1: say, seem to suggest it might be sooner rather than later, Cyril. although Hulkenberg uh, is insisting that he feels safe in his Renault seat. What are you hearing on that one, Richard? It's
2: so Cyril uh, Buntano, I can never pronounce it. I can Cyril. never say his name either, yeah. Cyril. There we go. Um, he um, – you know, he actually did give an interesting interview saying, Well, you know, we like Nico, but, you know, we, we always have to, as a professional racing organization, we have to keep our options open. Which, you know, is anybody in racing you're like, oh, <laughs> that's not a good thing to hear. Um, I, I, Hulkenberg is one of those enigmas, isn't he? I think is the best way to describe the guy. Everybody raves about him. Everybody says he's this fantastic driver who's just never had the break. And, One of the things I look at and one of the sort of my thoughts behind this is, you know, the guys like Mercedes and Ferrari and Red Bull and guys like that, you know, they know the ins and outs of every driver far better than we do. And there's a reason Hulkenberg hasn't been picked up by one of those teams. And I'm not saying he's a bad driver. I just think he's a solid driver. And probably that's about it. Um, and again, no disrespect to the guy, far better than us mere mortals, but probably just not quite cutthroat enough for the top end of Formula One. You know, you could potentially argue in the same way that maybe, excuse me, maybe a Valtteri Bodas is, you know, as much as I'd love to see him win a championship and push Hamilton. It's just that he's just lacking that tenth or two at certain times when he's not on his game. He just, he just wish there was a little bit more from him.
1: Yeah, if he wasn't in a Mercedes, he would be r- rarely talked about. Yeah. You know, honestly. Yeah, yeah. So, and and Bottas, um, he took the third spot at um, Austria, correct? Correct, yeah. And then Hamilton was in
2: fourth. Cool. So Hamilton had a crack. I thought ring. Hamilton
1: was fifth. Uh,
2: fifth, sorry. Four, yeah, Patel's, fourth or fifth. Yeah, but it's, it's, when's the, the
1: last that? time Hamilton was off the podium?
2: Oh. It's been a minute, huh? I think when he was in diapers, I think.
1: Uh, <laughs> well, the one but, race, they took one another out.
2: Yeah, it's two great, year, yeah, two years uh, ago. Yeah, there's been a few. Maybe Mexico last year, I think he wasn't on the podium there. Possibly, mm-hmm. don't know. Uh, but yeah, it's obviously been a long time for them. You know, they've been so dominant. But um, I think you, you know, he had a. I think he probably would have got third. I think he may have just sneaked Bodas there on the pit stop cycles, but um, uh, he had a cracked wing, a uh, front wing and that uh, meant that they had to change the wing at the pit stop. So that cost him a, a 12 second pit stop, which was, an, which put him out of sequence there and he never really regained it. Uh, and then Vettel towards the end of the race went for a, you know, a set of super or soft tires there to to try and get the fastest lap, which I think Verstappen even beat him to the fastest lap. Uh, even though he was on like 20 lap old tires, which was quite impressive. You know, Max was, is on it that last sector, or last stint of the race. So uh, yeah, Hamilton finished down there in fifth and uh A lot of the guys were running over these big sausage curbs or whatever they want to call them. And, you know, geez, they were damaging the cars, which is great to see. You know, you saw in you saw in practice um, both Verstappen and Bottas have big accidents and hit the wall relatively hard. Uh, And Vettel came dangerously close to, to, to hitting the wall as well. And it was great to see, you know. The, the end of the day, these drivers, you know, quite rightly so, are pitched as the best drivers in the world, and you know, they were making mistakes. How great is that to see? It's brilliant.
1: Uh, I mean, it, yeah, and it shows too that we've got, you know, a proper racetrack too—not not yeah. something that's all flat with the with the what, what do you call the zebra striping.
2: It looked like a. TV test screen, didn't it? you know, from the 80s or whatever. Oh, it was the, the, to...
1: the French circuit, yeah, it, it looks like a spiral yeah. makes me dizzy to watch the race there, and then, yeah, of course, you it,
2: get it to
1: Coda, so and it's all painted up in red, white, and blue, and it's just, you know, yeah. it just, it, it looks like a carnival, I don't know, but uh, yeah. so, um, how do you feel the rest of the season going to play out, are we going to, is this our, our, our one-off extra non-Mercedes win, or do you think that uh, no, Red Bull and so. Ferrari can uh, really challenge, because the Ferraris look really good, too.
2: The Ferrari did. I think if Vettel had been up there at the start of the race as well, you know, they would have given themselves a little bit of extra padding, for want of a better word, and support. Obviously, I don't know what the technical issue for Vettel was there, but it, uh, you know, certainly hampered his Q3 and put him back down in ninth. But I think we go to Silverstone next, which that'll be an interesting race because that's a combination of very. You've got three, maybe. Well, I mean, probably got four, maybe five. You know, top gear, you know, high you know, fast straight straights there. But then you've also got like the Magnus and Beckett complex where you've got, you know, very aero dependent uh so it, it's gonna be close there, where between Ferrari and um F- Ferrari and Mercedes. I don't think Red Bull will be quite there, but it'll be close. So it wouldn't surprise me if if Leclerc doesn't go out and win um you know win the um um you know, British Grand Prix there, and I'm going to make my pick a week early.
1: Okay, so you're taking Leclerc for the British Grand Prix, but we've got a week off in between, correct?
2: Yes, there's no race this weekend, uh, and they race back there on the uh, 14th of the, July.
1: Yeah, the 14th, right, right. That's Yeah, that's the that, 14th, that's going to be a good weekend. We've got NASCAR in Kentucky, the IndyCars in Toronto, and then Formula 1 British Grand Prix. That's going to be a great weekend there, um, all those races going on, so... Um, formula 2 paddle Ward made his
2: debut he was uh, what, 17th or 18th he was uh, languishing I think is the uh, correct term for his, his result I mean you feel, is, did you feel like you feel like he was in, uh, in a bit over his head I mean I
1: he's, he he's not driven a car head. that powerful no. before. those are uh, I mean he's driven the indie car but I think the formula they're probably
2: up there they're probably close it. right yeah I mean I don't know how much notice he had that he was going to be tra- driving one of those things but um, i can't imagine it was particularly long uh but, so you know i i think you take his results there with uh there'll be you know there should be a little asterisk next to those you know it was like yeah, uh, he's yeah.
1: a substitute driver dropped in on yeah, show notice thrown yeah, in yeah, the, yeah thrown but, in the
2: deep end on that one
1: but i'm sure it was a good learning experience for him and now his next gig he's off to uh japan supercar. to race the formula supercar
2: so he's replacing replacing dan Tictum, who has been dropped from the red bull junior program who was a Put it bluntly, a whiny little bitch. Well, uh, that's not very blunt. <laughs> well, you know. Uh, hey, you gotta call you know, he, it like you see it. So, well, he, he, last year when Mick Schumacher beat him to the championship, he was claiming that Schumacher was cheating and all this sort of stuff. And I think that was a bit of a warning shot across the, you know, he got a bit of a warning shot across the bows on that one from the uh, Red Bull hierarchy. And then um, at the, a previous round in the Super, you know, Formula Super Series. Or Super Formula series, whatever they call it. He, um, I think he finished last, and he was saying, "Oh, there's something wrong with my car," and all this sort of stuff. And it's like, "Yeah, you're done." <laughs> so the harsh, harsh world of the uh, Red Bull Junior Series took another, another victim there. But uh, you know, TikTok's fast, but just, yeah, he's got a bit of an attitude problem, from what I gather. He, he actually had a two-year ban from racing for um, under a safety car at Silverstone in Formula Ford overtaking half the field to crash into another, into a rival deliberately whilst under the safety car. So that, uh, that got him a two year ban. So, uh, and somebody hired,
1: somebody hired him back after that. Go
2: figure. yeah. I mean, the kids, you know, he actually stayed on the Red Bull junior program even after that. So, but awards got that opportunity. I don't know what his Carlin, um, commitments will be like. I, I my, uh, my
1: understanding is that he's, there's no more funding to keep him in the Carlin car. Uh, okay. I mean, they, they put they put him in the car uh, at the last at the last race there uh, simply because I, I think they just didn't have anybody else that brought any funding to the team so I I don't know if we'll see Pato back in a Carlin car uh, this no. year I mean this could open the door for a few more starts for Connor Daly. Uh, yep. Who's who's taking over the ovals for Max Jilton? He could get a couple of those real yep. starts. They could possibly um, keep Charlie Kimball in the in the in the car. Uh, that's the that's the he splits that ride with Charlie Kimball paddle seat there. Um, so if Charlie's sponsors want to kick in a few more bucks, we could see Charlie or it may open the door for R C. Enerson, who's got some funding and Enerson did some preseason testing with the with the team. Uh, the kid's pretty good. I'd like to see him. Uh, in an Indy car in a couple of races, I think I think he'll do well with it. So yeah. we'll just have to see how all that plays out. Um, and then the other possibility is that uh, you know Carlin just runs the one mm-hmm. car on those weekends. So um, the other thing about international racing I want to mention is I read an interesting story um, about the British Formula Four series. And speaking of Carlin, this uh, young kid named Zane Maloney has set a British Formula Four season or um series record with seven consecutive wins um and that's just and that's just pretty cool that's lewis hamilton kind of stuff there right i don't think even hamilton's got seven in a row but um Ooh, probably,
2: not, he, huh?
1: he, probably not yeah so um anyway the anyway the only reason i bring this up is that the name zane maloney just jumped out to Actually, me because
2: he's not british he's from barbados
1: who, zane maloney
2: yeah but he well, he, 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 he races he, under he, the, it's uh, the
1: british formula four series
2: Yes, right. He, ra- a,
1: he was British, yeah. of no, the uh,
2: Barbados flag, yeah.
1: Right, right. So anyway, we just uh, yeah, it
2: just sorry. so happens
1: my uh, yeah my my mother's maiden name is Maloney and our family race team is Maloney Racing. So we're gonna we're gonna claim him as one of ours if he keeps winning like this. We just we just like to see that Zane Maloney seven wait seven wins in a row. So I there figure, even though we've never been to Barbados, we must be related to this guy somehow. Exactly. So all exactly. right, so. Uh, <laughs> All right, so um, we're off next weekend, and then we're, we're on to uh, Silverstone. Um, yeah. IndyCars are off next weekend again as well, and then we are on to the Grand Prix of Toronto, um, which will be a, a fun race to watch. I always like that one. And NASCAR, we had a, a all three series in action at Chicagoland. We had uh, some serious rain um, that delayed the start. We ended up getting a Sunday night race, uh, which was pretty cool, uh, with a very, very muddy uh, infield, as a matter of fact, I think the um, our race winner Alex Bowman got stuck in the mud after he uh, mm-hmm. won the race. So, uh, Gray, you want to take us through some of the highlights of Chicago?
4: Well, in the Cup race, like I said, the the rain came, and uh, after a, a, a start and a brief few laps, the cars were called to pit road and had to wait out a, a lengthy uh, rain delay, some some three plus hours. And they finally got it started around, uh, I guess what, around 6 p.m. Uh, Eastern. And uh, of course, Chicago's good because they have lights there, and the race did finish uh, uh, partly under the lights. But uh, uh, Alex Bowman gets his first win in in the Cup Series. Uh, he's been close, uh, leads the series this year, in second place finishes, and uh, had a string of three in a row. Uh, uh, back a few weeks ago, but, uh, yeah, he had a spirited duel with uh, Kyle Larson there over the last uh, 10 laps and, and was able to, uh, uh, he got past and was able to regroup and uh, get back around Larson and, uh, with about uh, three or four to go and end up winning the race, so good for, uh, good for uh, Bowman, you know, it's been, we've been uh, thinking that he would probably pick up that first win at some point uh, after his strong runs uh early this season. So uh he finally got it. But uh uh good competitive race. It was an up and down day for uh for some guys. Uh I believe uh Kevin Harvick uh, had the strongest car and uh, uh during points of the race and he got in got in a little bit of trouble, got into the wall and damaged his car and I think he never was able to recover right. from that. Uh, Kyle uh what a day for Kyle Busch i mean he uh he struggled with his car all day long he would he uh, had some issues got in the wall a couple of times recovered got his lap back got up racing up in the top 10 and had more trouble and then late in the race he was running in the top 10 and uh got in a little skirmish with uh Joey Logano and uh, cut a tire down had to go to pit road lost a lap and i think he finished somewhere uh 22nd or something like that but uh uh, some good runs for a lot of guys. It was a, it was a competitive race. Uh, you know, uh, I think we had, man, um,
1: There was a, uh, a pit lane penalty with Denny Hamlin. Hamlin having won the first stage, there was an uncontrolled tire. Uh, and well, there, 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 there were some there, folks there, that kind of disagreed with that call. I mean, well, I watched the video. It seemed to me, to, at me anyway, that the the tire was clearly out of the pit box and well, not within reach. The, but what are, what are your guys thoughts on that?
3: The rule states that A, it has to be in the pit box and it has to be within a arm's length of a crew member the entire time along with the fact that it can't be thrown or simply just rolled to the wall. Uh, it has to be in some sort of contact at almost constantly uh, with a crew member. And this is something that's been going on the past almost year, year and a half now. It's something that The drivers and some of the teams are just pushing back against NASCAR, trying to get away with it at times. To be fair, back at Iowa, uh, a couple of teams got away with it, same with Gateway, uh, because NASCAR didn't send the pro trailer, the pit road officiating trailer, to Iowa or to Gateway uh, the past two weeks. Granted, those were for truck and Xfinity races only
1: right now correct me if I'm wrong on this gray there, there was a time where NASCAR had one official in every pit box right they they, don't, is, they no longer yeah, have that now correct
4: that is correct they had used to have one in every pit box and then it went to uh, to one uh, one official covering two at one time
3: I believe it's currently one official covering two if not three now
4: yeah they so they're going to miss
1: some of those.
4: Well, I tell you, it's like everything else. They, you know, NASCAR is a bottom as, as a company, and they look at their bottom line too. And one of the one of the things that you know, like most companies do, is their labor costs. And they cut back on uh, on officials. Uh, I know uh, there was there was uh, some guys uh, you know were having to do double duty when when uh, the Xfinity cars and the uh, Cup cars would uh, would have a, a same weekend you know where they were both there the guys were splitting time between the garages running back and forth and doing inspections so they 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 cut back a lot of officials more, more so than what they had 10 years ago and yeah i think there's there's some, more, ca- some more cameras it, everywhere too
0: so i mean yeah, there's a lot of stuff of it, you can look they, at on instagram
4: because of technology for sure but yeah they they cut back uh they cut back on the number of officials at the track totally all altogether
3: Now, there have been some calls
4: that have been questionable,
3: uh, which, whether or not it was truly over an arm's length away or, say, somebody falling out over the wall or touching the ground with their hand to stabilize themselves, which, it's something that uh, some people think is nitpicky, but overall, it's more NASCAR trying to... uh, essentially enforce safety rules because of things that have happened in the past. And that could happen in theory. I remember a race at Atlanta. I want to say it was about 10, almost 15 years ago now in which a tire rolled out into the infield and a crew member had a bright idea of running across pit road to get it, forcing uh, caution. And this was in the middle of around the, the green flag pit stops and Essentially, yeah, it was Rudiment's team. It it essentially altered the entire course of the race. With Atlanta being in the playoffs, it also altered the entire course of the playoffs. If I remember correctly, Tony Stewart went on to win that race, and that was one of the races that helped him. uh, No way, I'm thinking 2011 on that one. But still, it's something that can alter a championship. Certainly, certainly.
1: But but the long and short of it is like I – I felt like, according to the letter of the rule, that the, it was a good penalty on, on Hamilton. I think that's... Agreed. Exactly, but I just don't Hamlet. understand why all the... There's all this pushback that they're saying, oh, that's a bunch of BS and this and that. I'm like, it's no, it's a, the tire was clearly... You know, the guy... One guy rolled it to the other guy, out, yeah, out of the box. The and, was, yeah, for,
2: the t- for Hamlin's penalty, the tire was stationary. It was just that there wasn't... You know, it wasn't in danger of rolling away. It was just that there wasn't somebody... An that was the Someone
4: was not in contact with with the tire. Yeah, it,
2: it, it was definition. also outside the pit box.
4: Yeah,
2: it was in the next
3: pit box.
1: Unless I, I know, watched I mean, the wrong video, they, 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 it rolled from
3: Maybe it rolled it in front of the, the
1: pit box video. to the guy on the wall. The guy on the wall grabbed, but it. it was it was it, it you know it was rolled from one guy to the other. I don't know.
2: Yeah. Well. So, yeah. Either way, it'd be, it'd be either way. So. so also, let's talk about Kyle Larson.
1: Let's before we talk about Kyle Larson for a second. Poor guy seems to be snake bit. Can't seem to buy a win this day, day, day and age with a lot of really good finishes. He looked extremely disappointed at the end of the day. Huh, Seth?
3: Well, he did have McDonald's as a sponsor, which they haven't won since uh, let's see, Jimmy Spencer in the nineties.
1: I uh, didn't Bill Elliott win a couple so races eight, with him?
3: No, he did. Bill Elliott won some uh, dual races and I think a Bud Shootout with McDonald's, but they haven't won a points pain race since, since McMurray, Jim, Jimmy McMurray Stewart at Talladega, huh? Nope. McMurray okay. never won with McDonald's on the car okay, as a prime.
1: Right. Okay, well, there that's, you go. So
3: new... so maybe that's a little bit of a change, I don't know. Overall, Kyle Larson has been running better. Uh, Chevrolet, uh, as a whole, ran better. Uh, at one point, the entire top seven was Chevrolet. Uh, Jimmy Johnson led 10 laps early, but he never fell outside the top five throughout the entire race, and the last time he did that was Bristol in the spring race last year.
1: Right. Matter of fact, Jimmy finished fourth, which was a a really good run for Jimmy, considering the couple of seasons they've had.
3: William Byron also had a good run leading some laps, finishing inside the top ten. Chase Elliott, after the uh, rain delay, they made wholesale changes to the car on the front end. He had uh, dropped back to almost 30th uh, when the caution came out for the rain, and he drove up to the lead, took the lead and was battling with Harvick and Bowman and Larson at times.
4: Yeah. No, Austin Dillon won the poll and, uh, and had a decent run there. He finished, uh, I think he got a, he finished in the top 10, got a 10th place finish. So, uh, he, he's, uh, he runs somewhat better. They, they, they've stepped up their, uh, mile and a half program at RCR this year. They've had, they've been qualifying good. They just haven't been able to put the, uh, put that and parlay it into a, uh, to a strong race run yet.
3: Now, I just want to mention the, the storm in general, uh, real quick. It actually did cause a little bit of damage uh, to the scoring pylon to several pit boxes, especially the NASCAR and one of the Rick rare boxes, uh, it blew the cover off of Bubba Wallace's car, and there was some misleading and false reporting that uh, the electronics had been damaged by the rain. Uh, they had a second cover on a uh, clear cellophane, which, since it was clear, I can understand why people thought that the water got inside the car. Uh, some cars actually got pushed together. The one, the uh, the 41, and I believe the 88 were actually. Uh, pushed together, that they had to move the 88 and the 41 to be able to take the cover off of the one, and the 32 was actually pushed into the grass because of the wind. So wow, hmm. uh, it yeah, was, it, was, it was it was the rain was thing. really
1: coming down for a while. Yeah, it was it was bad what I saw on television. So now uh, Richard or Gray uh, are there? Uh, a lot of sensitive electronics there in the car that that are susceptible to rain because I know sometimes we've seen the uh, Xfinity guys actually race in the rain so I mean is it
2: yeah they shouldn't be uh, yeah, so they should, I was, I was thinking should, yeah everything should be sealed uh, you know all the yeah. connects they use and all the wiring harnesses they use they're all made to sort of aircraft military standard yeah. um so
1: that's kind of what i thought so these were just were, these were just erroneous reports anyway
0: that turned out And most be awesome. of those
4: cars they put rain caps on them too to, to what what seth was referring to the clear cover is called a rain cap and sometimes they'll put it because those uh those uh those car covers are kind of porous and they will they will seep water through them so some of them use a rain cap to put it over the greenhouse or the race car, but and then and then you know if they know uh, a, a good amount of rains coming, they'll they'll do that too. So it just just keeps stuff out of the car because you got to remember when that when that water gets in there and that car heats up, I mean it, it's like steam in there. So uh, you know it's uh, you want to try to keep it as dry as you can. Good point.
1: Good point. So now, Seth. I, I know you have some numerology thing about Alex Bowman here, but really, yes. really, really quick, um, the last first time winner was, was it, I'm trying, is it Eric Jones or was it Chase Elliott? Chase Elliott. Elliot. Chase it Elliot. was I couldn't Chase remember, Elliot. Jones or Elliott, yeah, so, so it's always good to have a first time winner in the series, see somebody break through, um, and, and generally once somebody breaks through, we see them, uh, you know, win win multiple times, we're still waiting for that with Eric Jones, but with Chase Elliott, we've seen him uh, you know, win a second time and really run well. So uh, so if you had to say who's going to be the next breakthrough guy, we've got a lot of really good young guys out there, um, who would you be looking at?
3: I'd be looking at, honestly, I'd be looking at either William Byron or Daniel Suarez, depending on the weekend. Yeah,
4: I, I uh, think that's I think that's a fair assessment there, Seth. Yeah, I think, I think, both, I think, I think Suarez, depend... Suarez is a little overdue, if you ask me. Yeah, they I both showed strength this year at, at times.
3: Yep. To be fair, Stuart haas Racing has just been behind this year. That being said, between the two of them, like I said, it depends on the weekend. Uh, William Byron definitely at the 1.5 mile tracks and uh, Daytona this weekend. Suarez, I'd almost say the short tracks, maybe Watkins Glen later on this month. Uh, just because Stuart Hall's racing has been so consistent, at least and Ford in general, on the short tracks this year.
1: All right. We'll just yeah. have to see how that plays out. So now, Seth, your numerology thing, I saw you put it up on social media, but I'll let you share it.
3: Well, Alex Bowman started eight. He drives the 88 and he led 88 laps. It's not that often that the, the numbers align like that. Uh, Alex Bowman is also just a 193rd driver to win a Cup Series race. If you take in, into consideration, there's been over 2,500 Cup races. That's Jeez. pretty <laughs> yeah. That's pretty uh, mind-boggling because that also tells you how just how many races uh, combined. Richard Petty, Dale Earnhardt Sr., David Pearson, Jeff Gordon, and others won that there's only been 193 winners in Cup. Uh, in comparison, ARCA, which has is 15 years younger than the Cup series, give or take, and has run a thousand races less, has 340 something winners.
1: So that, yeah. that that Cup winner is an exclusive club. Yes. So, welcome to the club, Alex Bowman. Good job. Good job, young yep. man. So, well, uh, you know,
4: that, it's, it's the pinnacle of the sport. So, you're gonna, you know, when you compare it to uh, uh, compare that to ARCA, you know, where you have a lot of a lot of guys come and go. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of turnover in the ARCA series as far as drivers go. And it's and it's you know has been built as a for the last two decades has been more more or less of a feeder series you know, for kids to to get some seat time and come up. So, yeah, I would imagine that 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 number has really grown in the last 20 years in that Arca series.
1: Oh, yes, it has. So now speaking of feeder series and junior series, we uh, we have some action from trucks in Xfinity Um, in Chicago. We could talk about a little bit. We saw our first disqualification in an Xfinity race. And that was Christopher Bell was demoted from third place to last place, so uh, make note of that, Brock Beard. Uh, so Seth or Gray, you want to talk about the uh, the truck and uh, Xfinity races from Chicago?
3: I'll,
4: I'll, I'll defer to Seth on those because I will I didn't get to see much of much of the uh, of those two races.
3: Well, the Xfinity series was a Cole Custer show. Uh, just saying that uh, he led a 151 of the 200 laps. He beat out Cup star Joey Logano. Michael Nett, who almost played the strategy game perfectly, stayed out as long as he could in the last stage, hoping for a caution, finally got it, and trapped well over half the field lap down. Uh, When that caution came out, he was one of nine cars on the lead lap. Uh, Because of people taking the wave around, 14 ended up finishing on the lead lap, 15 if you count Christopher Bell but he was able to parlay that into a third-place finish. Uh, You had Austin Sindrick at the top five. Noah Gregson also played the strategy game, uh, was running outside the top ten, ended up walking away with a sixth-place finish. So it was a very interesting race. Uh, Christopher Bell, like you said, was disqualified. It's the first time in the Xfinity Series since 2005. Uh, that a driver was disqualified. In 2005, that was Johnny Sauter at the uh, Spring Texas race. He had finished 14th, was disqualified then for an illegal carburetor. Christopher Bell, on the other hand, he was disqualified because the car was extremely low in the front on both sides and was a little too high in the right rear. Uh, Gray, Richard, would either of you be able to explain how that happens
2: I mean, it wouldn't be a surprise to them. They probably know they were pretty close to the limit, and they probably did mm-hmm. get, and they probably went for it. You know, I mean, it was, um, you know, they're in the playoffs, you know, so what have they got to lose in reality? Um, that's that's know, the one it, problem I have with it is, you know, as soon as you get in the playoffs, it's just an open book to well, these guys. They can throw whatever they like at and, it. And I know and, it's the playoff points that it will lose, and sometimes, the guys, but the guys... The guy's good enough to lose a few playoff points and not lose too much sleep over it.
4: Yeah, you know, and sometimes too, and, and I'm not taking up for him, not saying that that you know that this is what happened, but I have seen this before. Uh, they use uh, clamps on the screw jacks on, on, on all, sometimes on on the fronts to kind of clock them down to keep them. Sure. Sometimes those clamps do come loose and those things do turn and 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 back off and sometimes that will make them, make them come in too low, and that, that's quite by accident. But there again, the rule's the rule, and if, yep. you're, if you're too low, you know, you're know you in violation of the rules, so it doesn't matter how it happened; it's, uh You're going to get busted for it.
3: Richard, I'm glad you brought up the playoff points, and there's a reason why I want to say that this actually means more than people realize. Uh, Christopher Bell, prior to this penalty, was about a race, maybe a race and a half behind Tyler Reddick in the point standings. Mm-hmm. That might not seem like a lot, but if he's able to close that gap, or if he had been, and been able to take the lead prior to the se- the regular season finale, the winner of the regular season is going to get 15 playoff points. Second okay. place only gets 10. That okay.
2: we'll
3: That's a pretty big gap. It also could alter the... Uh, back-end, the cutoff for the playoffs, the reason why I'm saying that, the cutoff right now between Brandon Jones and Ryan Sieg for 11th and 12th is only about 20 points. Yes, to top 12 get in there, but if somebody wins behind that, say, uh, Jeremy Clements, like how he did a few years ago at Road America, that could easily knock Bell's teammate Brandon Jones out of the playoffs.
2: So, here's a question for you. So, the guys that finished, I mean, when did Bell finish third, was it? Yes. So, the guys that finished fourth, fifth, and sixth, did they get moved up, or did they?
3: They they do get moved up. Okay. In addition, uh, wherever Bell finished in the stages, everybody gets moved up. Okay, I'm with you. Michael O'Neill previously did not earn any stage points in the second stage. Now, he finishes tenth at that stage and gains one additional point. So it has bigger consequences than people realize.
2: Yep. Yep.
4: We've yet to see this, a DQ in the Cup Series yet. We've seen we've seen one in the truck where the winner was was stripped a couple of weeks ago, and now we've seen uh, a DQ in uh, in the. Uh, Xfinity series where a third place finisher was stripped of his finish. So I mean, you know, NASCAR stated at the beginning of the year that they were gonna uh, they were gonna enforce this, and so far they have. But, you know, uh, waiting to see what happens in the uh, if if someone in the Cup series is gonna fall victim to that this year. I predicted. It, it seems to me like
1: the the Cup guys have been uh, behaving. I guess, for lack of a better word, because we haven't we haven't seen the um. We we there seen... used to be like all these guys would fail post race inspection or post-qualifying inspection. It was every week. It was just a ridiculous amount of guys. But now we just really haven't heard that. I don't know if they're just either sticking to the rules a little better, uh, or they they've got the uh, okay. the, the so, LIS yeah. figured out, or they just figured out how to not get caught.
3: We well, I we have seen
1: LIS for what I've heard, but.
3: We we have seen some uh post qualifying uh to- or well qualifying times disallowed because of failing mm-hmm. tech. Right. Uh, especially
4: post
3: Yeah, especially back at Kansas. Uh Matt Tift I will say uh he failed post qualifying tech uh this weekend for the fourth time this season.
2: Mm, yeah, that's not a coincidence, is it?
3: No, that's not. Uh Although, so has, fearful, he his,
2: has he had his crew chief suspended yet? Or?
3: Uh, w- no, they eject uh, typically either the car chief or the lead engineer okay. from the truck. Uh, we also had the truck series in action as well before we move on. Uh, Brett Moffitt, who won via that driver game disqualified at Iowa, actually, uh, according to him, actually earned the win this weekend. Uh in an unsponsored truck. Both his truck and John Haranimchek's number twenty three GMS uh machines were completely blank. Uh they did not have sponsorship this weekend. Moffitt, uh the defending champion last year had sponsorship issues and at one point they were questioning whether he was gonna be able to run the full season.
0: Uh you know, that's that's
4: kinda kinda unusual. What what do you think? You know, because GMS has emerged as one of the one of the top teams in that in, in the in my, the truck series.
3: My understanding is that Maury Gallagher, the owner, uh, every time he's had a Legion on the the truck, it's his own company, one of his right. other own companies, and he's trying to uh advertise to other companies saying, hey, we have. Blank advertising space if you're interested in, instead yeah. of simply slapping on GMS Fabrication or ISM Connect or another one of his companies.
1: Mm-hmm. I guess so it's, a, it's a good way to get your name out there, get your, be, get your un, unsponsored yeah. truck in Victory Lane and say, hey, this space for rent. So,
4: so essentially what he's doing, he's running them, running those trucks out of his own pocket. He has been
3: for almost three years now, and people haven't realized it.
4: Yeah, yeah
1: you know we see the same kind of thing over in, in indie cars you know believe it or not like you know on the Ray Hall team when you see my jack on the car that my jack is a company owned by um you know Michael Lanigan, who's the partner in Ray Hall mm-hmm. Letterman Lanigan, you know and of course Roger Penske has, has had his own companies on the on the cars as well sure. with, you know Penske Leasing and uh and one uh, and, and and of course um you know whenever you see uh Sonny's barbecue on this on the Dale Coyne car um you should know Dale Coyne owns a uh a franchise of Sonny's Barbecue restaurants. So, yeah, yeah, it's not, it's not totally unusual
0: to, when you're paying out,
1: put your own, put your own brand name on there.
3: And something else I also want to mention in the truck series, uh, door sport racing had a horrific weekend. Uh, They changed engines on Matt Crafton's truck twice and still had engine issues during the race that it was over revving under caution Uh, Johnny Sauter uh, was having transmission issues uh, with the engine throughout the race and was relegated to an 18th place finish three laps down. Ben Rhodes blew his engine on the start. Mm -hmm. Granted, they're all using the NT1 uh, Elmore spec engine, but is that something that maybe the team is doing uh, either with the oil cooling or something like that? Because Ben Rhodes during qualifying – uh, the machine that they used to cool the engine and cycle the oil uh, malfunctioned and dumped too much oil into the engine. So Oops. is that something that could have at least affected his truck uh, or maybe the other trucks if it's a company-wide issue?
4: Well, typically they, you know, typically the engine, the people who build the engines will supply a tuner. To go to uh, to the track and oversee the the uh, the engine at the racetrack. Now those engines are installed at the shop prior to the race by the crews, and of course they, I mean, I'm, I'm sure they work with the engine supplier to to you know have everything to spec that they require uh, in it. But yeah, sometimes it's human error uh, that. Uh, that can happen and uh like i said i don't know i don't know what the what the total you know diagnosis was with with, with ben rhodes problem I, I watched some of that uh and in, in when he went to uh pit road uh with that but i never did hear the the full uh verdict on it what what actually was the, was the problem but it is unusual to have uh have uh, a team have, have issues like that. And then I'm sure they'll go back and study it and see what, see what happened.
3: Now, another team I do want to briefly mention and bring up, uh, David Gillen racing with, uh, Crosley group. That team for the first time had four trucks on track. They all fished in the inside the top 14, uh, might've been a little bit better had Tyler Ankrum not sped on pit road and might have been a little bit better had Natalie Decker knocked out and turned by Todd Gilliland earlier in uh, stage three. That being said, it, it seems like they're starting to turn around along with Kyle Busch Motorsports because Toyota this year with nine trucks uh, compared to six trucks last year on a full-time basis, or at least a semi full-time basis uh, have had about Eight fewer top fives and about 12 to 15 fewer top tens this year compared to last year with fewer trucks.
1: Mm. Well, guys, we got about four minutes left in the show, Um, but let's uh, let's preview next week because we are off to Daytona, correct?
3: Correct.
1: Oh, correct. So um, this is always a fun one. I always like the uh, the July Daytona race. You know, you know, go, going all the way back to the when it was the Firecracker 400. Uh, but it's it's always an entertaining race, and it's always been really good since they have made it a night race. So um, uh, what are we what are we looking to see now? We're on the the first year with the new um, restrictor plate uh, package and whatnot. Uh, we, we saw it perform well earlier in the season. Um,
3: There's no plates.
1: That's that's what I mean. The the new non-restrictor plate uh, package. Excuse me. The the new uh, super speedway package. So, um, and we saw it at Talladega earlier in the season, and I, I thought it, it put on a pretty good show. So, uh, what do you think we're gonna see at Daytona then?
3: It's gonna be interesting mainly because. And I'm sorry if I cut you off, Gray. Uh, it's go gonna ahead, be go interest. It's gonna be interesting mainly because Daytona is about a lane, if not. A lane and a half more narrow than Taldega. You're also going to have it under lights, which is going to mean increased speeds as well. So it, it it's it's going to be hectic. That's the best way I can put it.
4: You know, right, and, so, and of course, the Daytona the Daytona race, the summer race at Daytona, is always a, a good bit different because uh, the track is, it, it, even though it is. It, under the lights, the track is going to be hotter. It's going to be slicker, and uh, you're going to you're going to handling is going to be more of a, at a premium uh, for this particular race than it, than it is in the uh, the Daytona 500. So that always uh, brings its own little element to the race. You'll see you'll see uh, see cars being a handful down there this time.
1: Yeah, and it's it's always a very fast race too. It seems to it seems to just go by like that. Boom, you know, you take a hundred miles off of it, and it's just like, wow. You know? Well, it's a
4: sprint. It becomes a sprint race.
1: Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So let's let's talk about uh, who we like for a winner because um, I think NASCAR is the only series active. So we'll all go ahead and pick a winner uh, for NASCAR. Richard, do you wanna you wanna start off here?
2: Oh, I've got two that are in my mind. I got Suarez and Menard. One of those two guys. Let's go with Suarez. Okay. Uh, Gray, who do you like?
4: I'm going to have to stick in the Ford camp. Uh, Of course, uh, I I like, uh, let me see, I like uh, Ryan Blaney.
1: Yep, Ryan Blaney, good pick, good pick. He could use a win this year for sure. Um, Now, Seth?
4: Well, while
3: they're picking Fords, I'm going to look at Chevrolet, mainly because of what they did at Talladega, uh, ganging up on everybody else, and there's more Chevrolets in the field than there are Fords or Toyotas. So I'm going to go with William Byron. Please. Okay.
1: All right. That's just, so so uh, we'll get another another first-time, two first-time winners back-to-back. Um, uh, do you know the last time that's happened?
3: Not off the top of my head. Me,
4: oh, me, come me, on. me. either.
1: So, all right. So that that leaves a pick for me. You know, I was leaning towards <laughs> picking one of the Penske guys, but uh, uh, actually now that you mention it, um, Richard, Paul Menard is actually not a bad pick. The guy's really good he's, at the restricted play races, record. and he um, – I, I We haven't seen Paul in Victory Lane in a while. I think uh, Brickyard, brickyard several, several years ago. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, I, I kind of like Paul Menard for this one, so I'm going to go with that. So yeah, with that,
4: that would be the Wood Brothers' 100th win if uh, he's able to pull it off.
1: Oh, they've been stuck in 99 for a while, huh?
4: Yeah, yeah they have since since Blaney won at uh, Pocono the uh, year yeah. before last.
1: Gosh, boy, boy, I'd like to see that. I, I really, really enjoy the Wood Brothers. So, but guys, with that being said, we are out of time. So I want to thank you, Seth and Gray and Richard. I want to thank uh, Hoobazoo Radio Network and iHeartRadio and Spreaker. I want to thank you folks uh, that tune in and listen to us here at Drafting the Circuits. Till next week. Good night.
0: W A O O B
1: A B O O Natzewizer.com W into your website, enter website, enter website, enter website.